Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Well, hello Horsham Church of Christ. It's great to be with you today, albeit by video. I'd love to have been there in person, but alas, that's not possible at the moment. And uh, nevertheless, I just want to encourage you today and really believe that the things we talk about are going to help to further the work of God, not only in you, but also through you. You know, we have such an important opportunity that exists right now in a year that many people would rather forget, one that's been interrupted, disrupted in so many different ways. We think of the bushfires early in the year and we think of the COVID restrictions. It's very easy to just hope or wish for something better. But of course, we need to make some purposeful changes that enact the better, that make next year even more purposeful and special. There are opportunities each year for God to work in us. This year was an opportunity, and it still is. There's enough time left to continue to make a difference, maintain the focus so that God can use your circumstances, He can use your gifts, He can use your availability to impact other people for His name's sake, to see it happen through you and not just someone else. It's a privilege for me to serve the Churches of Christ movement, to oversee so many churches across Victoria and Tasmania. But you know, I would once upon a time never have imagined that to be possible. I would also not have imagined that before this role, I'd be leading a large growing church, impacting nations and seeing powerful difference made in the local community, seeing people one to faith in Christ. I would never have imagined once upon a time that before that, I'd be heading up a secondary school or leading an online Bible college. I would never have imagined before that that I would be leading a youth group and seeing people one to faith there. Because when I became a Christian at age 16, my knowledge of God, my knowledge of the Bible was very limited. I was excited and I was wanting to grow in this relationship and connection to God who changed my life. But my obedient yes to him and what he was calling me to do, had to take me to the next step. The small incremental changes in our lives often feel like they're happening too slowly. But your yes response to what God wants to do is important before the next step. Before the next door opens, you need to look at what God is calling you to do today. You might be saying today, well, I feel pretty content, thanks. Isn't contentment a value? Yes, it's an important one. We need to be content. But if contentment is really just apathy, it's some inner resistance to getting out of our comfort zone and being stretched. If it's really about us being on the throne of our lives and not yielding to God and what he might want of us, then there's a problem. And I would suggest to you that if you're in church today, it's probably because you want to follow God. You want to be open to all that God is doing in your life. You would love to grow and to stretch and to be changed, but that takes some intentionality. It's not about doing it in your own strength. It's about submitting to God and the power of his spirit working in you. But the next steps of your obedience today can be powerful in opening up the opportunities that yet lie ahead. When I was pastoring a church some years ago, I talked to a guy 
who was telling me his story after the morning service. It's the first time that he'd been there, but I knew who he was because his family had been coming for some time. And I asked him to tell me his story. I knew a little of it, but I wanted to hear it from him. He said, you know, I've seen my family coming to church and I've seen the change in them over the last couple of months. And today I was going to drop them off like usual and just go up to the shops and have a coffee, go to Bunnings. He said, but something compelled me to turn around and come back. There in the foyer of the church building, after the service, with people everywhere chatting and drinking coffee, we just took a moment where we were standing for me to get him to pray a prayer of repentance to commit his life to Christ. He had a Bible under his arm that was big enough to choke a mule, and one that he brought because he thought it was the right thing to do. From that moment on, he started reading it, and he was so excited as he felt God speaking to him. You see, he'd encountered the joy of knowing the Holy Spirit's presence personally in his life, and he was responding to what God was trying to do through him. He started making a difference, not only by coming to church and getting baptized, but learning how to respond in obedience to what Jesus was saying to him, and then to go and enact the change. The interesting thing about his story was that his wife, who had been willing to bring her boys to church, did so because one of those boys had begged her. He came to a kids' club activity on a Friday night, and he did it because his friend brought him. A boy in the church who was not particularly gifted, he was not particularly advanced, he didn't have a lot of um, answers to tough questions, he just had a go, he stepped out of his comfort zone, and he told his friend at school that he loved going to kids club. He loved his church. And why wouldn't this guy want to come along and check it out for himself? When the boy did and he said afterwards, Mum, they do this on Sunday too. It started the chain reaction. One boy's responsive obedience. After the Sunday school teacher had asked the kids, think about who you could bring to kids club. Let's pray to God for them. You go and speak to them at school and see what they say. He responded to that and look at what happened. A whole family came to faith. You know, maybe God could do something powerful through your life as you take steps of obedience. You see, in the Great Commission, where Jesus called his disciples to follow him and to make disciples of all nations, he didn't say it was okay just to be a disciple. He said, you make them. You make disciples by baptizing them and by teaching them to obey. The baptism part is the short-term consolidation of our yes response to God in the first place. But then we don't just put up our feet and kick back and enjoy the ride. Instead, we look at the second part of the Great Commission where Jesus talked about teaching obedience to all he'd commanded. And that needs us to each day open up the word of God to pray that the Lord who encoded it in the first place would reveal it to us, would call us to that responsive obedience. So that whether it's an attitude that needs to change, whether it's an action that needs to be performed, a relationship that needs to be rebuilt, that there will be something, something that we can do as a yes response to God's call in our lives 
so that we demonstrate that we are Christians. We demonstrate our faith with works. We're not just faithful in turning up and doing the religious things, but we are faith-filled. The Word of God fuels a response, we enact the response, and we make a difference. That might seem pretty foundational, but it's actually critically important for living as a Christian, not out of a sense of religious duty, but where we are naturally supernatural. We're tapping into the very real presence of the Holy Spirit, who wants us, as 1 Corinthians says, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, not just to assume that spiritual gifts will outwork themselves, or worse still, to assume that maybe we're not gifted in certain ways. Many people who turn their back on gifts is because they actually never really earnestly desired them in the first place. They never stepped out to have a go and see what they might be gifted at. You can't just identify gifts if you're only identifying what you're already doing. Our willingness to be open to God takes us out of our comfort zone and has us sometimes in some new and even uncomfortable experiences. When we're closely connected to God, when we have a relationship with Him, then there is so much more that awaits. There's so much more that will be outworked without us needing to strive or strain. We're simply cooperating with God in a process, and it begins with that first yes step of obedience today. In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, it says not to despise the day of small beginnings. It goes uh, a few verses before to talk about it not being by our own might or power, but by the Spirit. The work of the Spirit can take the day of small beginnings, can take the small things and build momentum. Jesus talked in Matthew and Mark about the seed of faith. If we have faith as small as a mustard seed, a mustard seed was incredibly tiny and all the DNA for its potential is packed in that tiny seed. Jesus is saying if you've got the faith DNA and you sow it, you can, as it says in those passages, speak to the mountain that it would be removed and cast into the sea. Now, he's not speaking there about a literal mountain being turfed into the ocean, but about the mindset that we have in responding to what God's word says, so that we would plant the seed in faith-filled obedience, do what it says, and then see the power go to work. When the angel of God appeared to Mary and said she was going to give birth to a child, the Messiah, the Son of God, she initially questioned how could this be? And the angel said, with God, all things are possible. Inherent in that concept is the idea that no word from God could be spoken without containing the power for its own fulfillment. It's a little like the thought in Isaiah 55 that God's word will not return to him void. It will accomplish that which it's sent to perform. There is power in the principle of God's word going to work. We also see in the New Testament that as the, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're mighty for pulling strongholds down. In spiritual warfare, not physical warfare, we're pulling down strongholds or mindsets of the can't do and replacing them with the can do. What we are seeing is that with God, 
all things are indeed possible. And the spiritual weapons we are given include prayer and the wielding of the word of God, the sword of the spirit. It cuts down everything that Satan puts in the minds of people like us at times, where we embrace those wrong concepts, we choose to hang on to them and limit ourselves. Instead, we can be opening ourselves to the ability to do things differently by simply saying an initial yes to what God is asking us to do. So what about for you today? Are there people in your workplace or your school who need you to get out of your comfort zone, start talking to them about Jesus, because maybe there's nobody else who'll do it. And maybe God could send someone, but maybe he's sending you. Maybe rather than get intimidated by the tough questions they ask you, just be prepared to go and talk to somebody. Just own the moment and do what you can do, and you'll actually find that you get better and better. You know, why not take a course uh, do an alpha program or, or speak to somebody at your church about how to get better equipped to handle the tough questions. Most of us know the ones that are likely to come. But ultimately, people's questions are really just part of the exploration. People who are genuinely responsive to God will, uh, will want to know more. And often, you'll see the people who are hungry, but only as you start to talk. Back in the 1970s, James Engel put forward a helpful number line concept was to help us understand how people come to faith. He said that at the far negative end of a number line, you got people who are far from God, have no connection, no awareness. As you get a little closer to zero on that negative end of the number line, you've actually got uh, a little bit of a warmth to the things of God opening up, but it needs a Christian to go to work, to open their mouth and to talk. That engagement leads step by step to more and more openness till the person gets to about number one on the num sorry, negative one on the number line, where they're just so close to coming to faith, but they need someone to lead them through a prayer to challenge them to respond. And then at the zero marker, sometimes on the number lines they'll put a, a picture of a cross. It's the point at which a person confesses that Jesus is Lord and Saviour of their life. It's very clear through the Gospels. We don't evolve into faith. We don't just turn up to church and it grows on us. There is a moment, like we see in the Great Commission, where people need to be baptised. They need to publicly identify they're turning their back on their old life, on sin and turning to God. When that happens, they grow through the number line to the positive end. And what they'll do is, is learn that dependence upon God, learn how to pray and read the Bible learn how to obey, and ultimately on Engel's scale, that positive end of the number line represents people who are growing in faith, who are Christ-centered, and who are impacting others. You know, when we uh, think of a soccer field, we think of the sidelines marking the field of play. They're the boundaries of what we can and can't do. You know, you can't play soccer outside the boundaries. That's the no-go zone. But we don't focus on the sidelines. In the same way, Scripture helps to regulate the way we live. It marks off the field of play for our mission for God. But we don't obsess with what we can or can't be doing. We honour the Word of God, but our focus is on the goals. In fact, all the other players in the team, our fellow Christians, for example, 
We're there to work together and support each other, to honor the strategy of the coach, someone like your senior pastor, and to be moving in the direction of kicking goals, which represent for us people coming to faith. Mission is about growing the church. It's about putting the score on the board. And your ability to see that happen in your church is your ability to firstly respond in faithful obedience, say your simple yes to what God is calling you to do. Watch and see what will happen. As you firstly take the small steps, as you secondly build patterns into your life, so the regular disciplines, carving out time to go to church, to make time you don't have, but which you do indeed make for prayer, by intentionally giving money when it's a test of faith and sowing into the church, believing to give generously as God calls you to do. By will, being willing to get out of your comfort zone and share your faith, you've got to build time. You might need to join a, a sports team and you get the benefit of the exercise and the enjoyment of the sport, but you also get to spend time talking to people. You get to build relationship, but it's got to be carved into the week. Intentional small steps. Secondly, patterns that you build into your life. And thirdly, reflection. Reflection on where you've come from, what God's been saying to you in prayer in recent weeks, what you're doing about that, how you're enacting change, the things that are maybe not working, where you've got to go and get some help, where you've got to get a prayer partner or somebody else to hold you accountable. They're very simple, no-brainer steps for growing, enacting your yes, and letting it translate into action that can see people, not only one to Christ, but consolidated in their faith. You know, whatever your action for the church, you are the church. You are a representative of it, and you need to be the church, surely, in everyday life. So whether you work collaboratively with other people on a joint strategy, or you're sharing the gospel with individuals and then talking to other Christians to support you in prayer or to get advice or help, it's all about purpose. It's about being intentional. You know, when the Bible says that God's grace that brings salvation has appeared everywhere to all people in Titus 2.11, it's showing us that God indeed wants salvation for all, but it's like a gift. It's got to be unwrapped individually. And people are not normally going to do that by themselves. It needs the power of prayer. It needs for the soil of the heart to be softened so that the seed of the word of God that's planted can take root. And we can't control outcomes. We're not God. But what we can do is to enact those small yes steps of obedience, those next steps, those now steps, and we can purpose to pray when we'd otherwise let it go. We can purpose to make some time in our week when we'd otherwise justify being too busy. Time is short, people. We have so few years on this earth to make a difference. We can spend an inordinate amount of time on things that seem important to us, that we can title ourselves to practice, things that ultimately make no kingdom difference. Why not instead let us focus on how it is that we can grow and grow together to become better, to live out these basics without feeling like we've got to become someone we're not. In the Second World War, the troops retreating uh, from mainland Europe in 1940 
would have been in fear of their lives. Hitler seemed to be running rampant. France had fallen. The troops retreated to the beaches of Dunkirk, with the English Channel separating them from safety, at least temporarily, in uh, the UK. At about that time, when there were hundreds of thousands of people stranded, looking like sitting ducks, the King of England called the people to prayer. He asked them to attend church on that next day, the Sunday, and to pray earnestly for those whose lives were in peril in mainland Europe. And this newsreel footage shown streams of people flocking to church, and they prayed. Of course, historians aren't going to record what happens in quite this way, but the rest really was history. You see, immediately after the prayer, there was unprecedented prolonged cloud cover that shielded the soldiers from the German Messerschmitts flying overhead. Of course, there were some losses of lives, but very, very few. Not only were they protected from the overhead planes, but around that time, historians still don't understand why Hitler ordered his troops to pause and rest before turning south for a different strategic position. They abandoned Dunkirk much to the anger of some of the generals and let the mostly English and some French soldiers get away. The English sent over uh, many vessels, including some private ones, to rescue the people, and boatloads of them went backwards and forwards. They kept taking more and more people over this short little window of time until more than 300,000 were evacuated. That allowed them to regroup, to fight the Battle of Britain. It perhaps enabled the war to ultimately be won without stripping the soldiers of England right back to next to nothing. We might sort of brush that off as just a coincidence of history. When you stop praying, the coincidences stop happening, as someone once said. You know, those coincidences could look pretty good in your life by you starting to pray today. Pray about those problems with intention, with persistence, building it in as a pattern in your life, and watch and see what God will do. Share the stories together of God's magnificent rescue, of God's rescue, not on the beaches of a foreign nation, but in your life today. Bringing about change for you, for the people in your world. Let me close with one other story. And it takes us back to uh, a time, I guess, in the uh, 19th century, where a Sunday school teacher got out of his comfort zone and shared the gospel with some kids one at a time, but in particular with one rowdy, rebellious person who'd been in the church but wasn't really that interested in the things of God. His name was Dwight Moody, who became the most famous evangelist across England and America at that time. Moody, who himself reached out to children and saw countless people won to Christ eventually of all ages and uh, saw such a profound work of God, he had his beginnings in faith because one Sunday school teacher decided to pluck up the courage when he could easily have found other things to do that day. He went and challenged this boy to give his life to Christ. Moody, in turn, impacted some specific people who impacted others and impacted others so that eventually one of those people at the end of the chain 
Mordecai Ham went and preached the gospel in Charlotte in the US, in North Carolina. And he preached the gospel to a young Billy Graham who gave his life to God. He then, of course, all over the world, preached to perhaps more than any person in history, including to my father-in-law, who heard him speak at the MCG in 1959. As a 14-year-old, he gave his life to Christ and went on to become a minister. And he impacted my life and challenged me. Today, I'm talking to you and suggesting maybe that there is a response to God, that small yes step of obedience that you could enact, that could bring fruit yet in the lives of other people you don't even know about. Think about all the people who could be impacted and the good that could be done. If you were to stand at the end of that chain, like that Sunday school teacher more than a century and a half ago, who was prepared, despite not being a great speaker, despite not being particularly gifted, to simply do what he could do, to simply enact his yes response. What could that look like for you today? I want to close in prayer and pray for you. Your response to God would be about taking the small next step, purposefully committing that to God, and in your yes, I can do that response, following it through, building some patterns into your life, being very intentional, and then reflecting, perhaps in the company of others who can help you and encourage you, a small group, a prayer partner, somebody who can just hold you accountable because there is such a season of opportunity ahead. COVID can be such a distraction. This year and all that's unfolded in its complexities can leave you discouraged. But instead, you can determine, purpose in your heart, that 2021 will be your best year yet. And I wonder if as we pray, you could commit your, yeah, I can do that response to God. Would you bow your heads? Father, I just ask in the mighty name of Jesus that everyone here listening to me today who doesn't know you as Saviour and Lord would confess that they need you. In fact, if that's you right now, as you're praying with me, you're saying, you know, I'm not absolutely certain of where I would go if I died. I'm not sure that I've really consolidated this moment and given my life to Christ. Pray with me, dear Heavenly Father. I recognize that I've lived independently from you, that I have turned away from you and lived in a life of sinful rebellion against a God who wants more for my life. I recognize that Jesus died in my place. He took my penalty in his body. He was nailed there for me. I accept that he has called me to live for him, to be a disciple maker, to be his change agent. I accept that he not only died, to take my sin in his body, but he broke its power by being raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you did it for me. I confess my need of you. I confess that you are my Lord. I choose to live for you and ask Holy Spirit that you would fill me to overflowing with your power. Help me to live no longer in my strength, but in yours. Everyone else here today as we pray, maybe you're thinking about that, yeah, I can do that moment. Maybe there's that can-do response as you get back to basics in your life. You think about being a faith sharer. You think about being a purposeful prayer. You think about enacting those steps of obedience. You think about getting out of your comfort zone and daring to pray for people in need that God would heal them. Dare to believe that as you step up in faith, God would reward your faith. It's not arrogance and presumption. It's simply a confident belief 
that God can do the things he's done in the past. He can do them again and do them through you. So, Lord, we just ask that you would enable it. Enable it through us. We give you our yes response. We purpose in our hearts to do those things you're calling us to do, to do them with obedience, to do them with confidence and expectation that you will go to work on our behalf, that you will see change come through our lives as well as in our lives, that we would see other people impacted. Let it be for your glory, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.